0: Proverbs chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. And then also turn to Psalm 34 and verse 11 through 14. Psalm 30, so we'll read, uh, but we'll just read Proverbs 14, uh, verses 26 and 27. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open us, open up our words, open up our eyes to the truth that the fear of the Lord is not something to hesitate at, but something to embrace. And it offers peace and it offers joy. Father, I pray you would Direct In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you were to review the last four referendums in Irish history, in our present Irish day, you would see a resounding, a definite declaration that while we as a country, or we who live in Ireland, while we still may tolerate the title of Christian, there is one thing that we do not tolerate as a Christian, as a nation. We do not fear God. There is one thing that is, that is completely lacking in Western progressive culture. And that is, there is no fear of God. Leo Varadkar, our Taoiseach, said this when we voted to, re- to uh, repeal the Eighth Amendment. He said, today we'll be remembered... As the moment Ireland came of age as a country and threw off the last shadows of the nation's conservative past. And then he said this, no more stigma. The veil of secrecy is lifted. No more isolation. The burden of shame is gone. It was as if to say the only shame in sin in our culture is what other people place on it. It was, to, it was to really to live in the fact that there is no God. But we understand that because God is real, because God is in control, because He is holy, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The wisest thing we can do is to submit to the fear of God. It is to live with reverence for God. It is The word really means to live with fear. Yet, I love about this text, I just love about this text, that we see the fear of God is not just one of the things, ugh. Okay, if you're a Christian, you can have the love of God. You can have the joy of God. You can have the blessing of God. But you've got to fear him too. No, I love this. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I just want to bring out very briefly that the fear of God... It brings blessing, not heartache. It brings joy, not sadness. Psalm 34, says, Come ye children, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Okay, so he says, okay, well, this is the fear of the Lord. And then he makes the... I, I find this statement almost out of place. And then he says, in verse 12, What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days? that he may see good. Proverbs 19:23 says the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And even our own text says the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And so we understand that the fear of the Lord is not something that brings heartache, but it is something that brings blessing. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. The fear of the Lord does not question his love, but rather highlights his holiness. And why is the fear of the Lord so important? You know, if you were to attend many churches today, there's a, there's a really there's a huge uh, movement in Christianity to have toned down church. People come to church in their flip-flops. People come to, there's a coffee shops in their church. There's no reverence for God. Can I tell you the reason why the fear of God is so important? Because that God is so holy. God is so righteous. God is so pure that if we do not come to God In his holiness, if we do not come to God pure and clean and we do not fear the holiness of God, can I tell you, we don't know God. We find a powerless God and churches that come to God with in such a comfortability and such a reverence, they reveal that they don't know the true omnipotent God. And that is why they have to have fog machines. And that is why they have to have colored lights and that is why they have to look pretty because they have to compensate for the almighty power of God. And so we understand that those who come into the fear of come into God's presence, they come with a holy reverential awe. And when we fear God, we find God. And there's nothing like it. What does it mean to fear God? Well, let's just compare Scripture. Turn to, we're just going to turn to some Scripture tonight. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6. Turn to Proverbs 16, verse 6. The fear by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Turn to Job 28, verse 28. Job 28, verse 28. And he said unto man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. Notice again there, to depart from evil. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 verse 11, come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Okay, he's going to teach us the fear of the Lord. Verse 12 gives us a descriptive verse. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Verse 13, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Again we see, depart from evil. Keep thy tongue from evil. Keep thy lips from guile. We understand, firstly tonight, that the fear of the Lord provokes us to radical purity. The fear of the Lord provokes us to radical purity. The fear of the Lord is to understand that God in His holiness will judge Sin. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Numbers fourteen eighteen says, The Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, the Bible says, Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 11 through 12, 11 through 13. Why is it that people don't fear God? Why is it that people don't fear God? It's very simple. They don't believe there's a judgment. They don't believe there's a judgment. If they believe there was a judgment, if they could see there was a judgment, that God is just, and he's by no means clearing the guilty, being undeceived, God is mocked, whatsoever man and soeth, actually also reap. If they could see that God is perfectly just, they would fear him. They would depart from evil. They they would they would be careful to to to, to, to get all sin out of their life, but they don't but they don't believe that, that there's a judgment. Notice Ecclesiastes chapter eight verse eleven, because sentence or judgment against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil in hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, that fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days which is, are as a shadow because he feareth not before him. And a person who fears God is somebody, very simply, who has looked at the word of God. And they find that God is holy. And they understand that God does not always judge sin today. There was a young man I heard about in Bible college. And he he had a history of pornography. And he said... I began as a young person. He began as a teenager. And he, says, I, he said, I was looking on a computer. And he said, the first time I looked at it, the very worst thing you could ever imagine happened. The first time I looked, the very worst thing could, you could imagine happened. And the people asked, well, what was it? Did your mom see you? Were you caught? And he said, no, the worst thing that happened was I wasn't caught and I began to, to, there began to become a, a pattern in my life that I could sin, and it's okay. I could commit sin. I could, I could hide my sin, but we must understand in somebody that fears God Understands they're, they're not super smart. They're not, uh, they're not brilliant in the fact of academic f- faculties, but they do understand that God is holy and that God is just. And they, become, they come under the conviction that if I'm anything, if I'm anything, I must be clean, I must be pure. Because God is holy, God is judge. First, uh, it's God is just. First Peter three says, "Be not uh, for the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, uh, as some men count sl- slackness, but is long suffering to us." Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you know, we must be very careful to see God's mercy. To see the delay in God's judgment. Not as the dismissal of judgment, as the expression of mercy. And we, we must be very careful to understand that God is holy. God is just. Those who fear God, in the most profound sense... Say, I must be clean." Turn to Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah chapter six. Revelation chapter four says, "And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and the rest, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come." Isaiah chapter 6. Why is it that people do not fear God? They do not fear judgment. But also they do not see His holiness. Isaiah chapter 6 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, And his train filled the temple, and above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And notice Isaiah's response. Then said I, I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What was it that caused Isaiah to fear God? It was to see God as he was, and that he realized, well, he may reach the standards of men. He fell far short... Of the standard of God, and he begins to seek how he may be made clean. And can I tell you the first point I'm trying to make is it is the fear of God, it is the fear of God that will drive someone to salvation. I believe that's the meaning of this verse. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Um, some, the Bible says, are constrained by love. Romans 5.8, uh, the Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were, not, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And some people, they, see, they hear the gospel message, and they're constrained by the love of God. But there are some others who, maybe the love of God does not touch them. The fear of God must. Turn to Jude, chapter 23. Jude, verse 23, is just before Revelation Jude 23 says, And others save with fear, hating, uh, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The fear of God resulting from the understanding of his holiness is that which pushes the sinner utterly and totally to depend on the saving blood of Jesus Christ. The fear of God and the fear of God's holiness and the fear of judgment says... I must run to the Savior. I must escape the judgment of God. I must be clean. I must be pure. And it finds in Jesus Christ a deliverance from fear. It finds in Jesus Christ a deliverance from the fear of the judgment of God. Why would someone not be saved? They don't fear him. They don't fear him. Romans chapter 3, verse 17 says, For the way of peace have they not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. This is somewhat of a controversial passage, but I believe it's very clear when compared with other scripture. And it is a frightening passage. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 The Bible says, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye? Shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of his covenant there wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot under the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Notice verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall Into the hands. Of the living God. And of course this verse is not teaching. Someone can lose their salvation. But rather it is teaching. The inevitable. Indescribable judgment. That awaits. Those who reject Christ as Savior. Those who will not fear the judgment of God. Must endure the judgment of God. Yet. This is the beautiful thing about the fear of God. Um, And I want it, I hope this is so clear. The fear of God is not to be something that we live underneath every day. Rather, the fear of God drives us to Christ. It drives us to the deliverance of the fear. Um, The Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. If you know scripture and if you've studied the fear of the Lord, I think these verses are very familiar. The fear of the Lord, I've always wondered whether this is said, is the beginning of wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. God has, uh, we're in work, are going to discover in this verse, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. God has not put on us bondage and, and timidity and frightening and fear. That's not the fear of the Lord. It is fear. But the fear of the Lord is to drive us to absolute dependence in Jesus Christ. It is to, do, to drive us to the deliverance from the judgment. Because we understand in Christ... There is no condemnation. Let me read Romans chapter 8 verse 1. And then please t- stay in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9. Just stay in Hebrews 10. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk after the flesh but not after the spirit. And we as believers, we understand the terrible judgment of God. But we also understand that we are free from all judgment. We are free from all all condemnation. There is no condemnation th- to them who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? John 5.24 says Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and hath and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. You're in Hebrews chapter 10. We read that passage which is a concerning passage, but notice what's just before it. Notice verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the new, enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We understand that outside of Christ, we are barred from heaven. But we understand that in Christ, there is no fear of God's judgment. In Christ, there is no condemnation. In Christ, there is no guilt Jesus Christ has paid our sin and that is why the the fear of the Lord, it drives us to the cross and it gives us confidence. Have you found the confidence of Christ? Have you made the wisest decision you and I can ever make? The fear of the Lord, we noticed it is to depart from evil. It is to say, I must be clean. God, make me holy. It is to be serious. It is to highlight the holiness of God. But notice that at salvation, we move from the fear of God as our judge to the reverential fear of God as our father. Go back to our text. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 and 27 In the fear of God, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Notice the words his children and his children. Do you realize that when you were saved, you became a child of God and you entered, you you were transformed from the enemy of God to the child of God. 1 John chapter 4 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And so now our relationship is completely different. Well, some people would say, Well, now that you're saved, you don't have to fear God anymore. You're, you know, just, hey, you're free. You're free to do anything. We are free. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But... No longer do we fear God as our judge. However, there is a fear of the Father. There's a reverence of the Father. I know, I, I know in some cultures, um, there's, there's a, a great reverence of the Father. I feel in Eastern, in Eastern cultures, there's more reverence of, of, of fathers. But can I remind you that God is our Father and we are now to reverence Him as our Father, not out of fear of condemnation not out of fear of 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 lack of love he does love us he gives us peace he gives us joy and and he even says we sang this morning he's our friend but he is our father and we ought to reverence him why should we reverence him we should reverence him because the father corrects the Father corrects how many of you your father ever corrected you? Did your father ever correct you yes my fa- my father 's right here um, i didn 't like the father the, the punishment of my mom, but I dreaded the punishment of my dad. There was something about, something about the way he now we, we had uh, my parents uh, we had very um, direct punishment i 'll just say that we, uh, <laughs> there was serious punishment in our household, and we did wrong. And it scared me to death. My, my parents would say, do I need, we called um, our, our punishment mechanism Mr. Hickory. And my dad would say, um, do I need to go get Mr. Hickory? No, dad, no. Dad. <laughs> well, I'll do the dishes. I'll, I'll, I'll mow the lawn. And there was a fear of chastening. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the cha- Father chasteneth not? Can I tell you, if you're a child of God, one reason that we should live holy is that we love God, but one of the reasons is still that we fear God and that God will chasten. What is that chastening? It's different for all of us, but we can mark it down that when, we, when a believer enters sin, his life will be, in a sense, it will be traumatized. It'll, there, there will be difficulty, pain, hardship. I've, I've felt that. I know that. And that's one of the great marks of a believer So one of the things we must recognize um, that we ought to live holy because God will chasten. And by the way, if someone leaves church and there's no chastening, there's no difficulty, their life continues as normal, is that person a child of God? The answer is no. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And the next verse is, uh, it says, um, I'm not there, but he, um, you're not even a child of God if you don't have the fear, of, if you don't have the chasing of God. And that all to take us back to the original fear of God as our judge. But there's a fear of God as one who will chasten us. But here's, I think, the greater fear of God as the Father. And then I'm going to move on to the better part. Okay, don't worry. We're getting to the, the, the title was how the fear of God Brings us to, the, uh, to trust in God. But there's the fear of broken fellowship. And can I tell you, if you're a child of God, when you were saved, God saved you forever. He adopted you into his family. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is your father. You are his child. You're forever, you're forever saved. Relationship can never be broken. But fellowship can. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you between you and and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And so we understand that sin in the life of a believer, it doesn't Take away our relationship with God. But if we allow sin in our life, listen, God doesn't play games. God is is holy. He is the same as we heard last week, yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy. And the sin that we allow in our lives separates us from God. Some people live such lifeless, boring, mundane, spiritual lives. There's no power. There's no life. The Holy Spirit isn't changing them. There's no change. Why is it? Because they do not fear God. Because if they feared God, they would become clean. They would would cleanse their lives. They would say, Oh Lord, as David prayed, search me and know me, try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. We see a man who feared God. Job chapter 1 and verse 5. Verse 1 and verse 5. Job chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 5. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed or Hated evil. You see how fear the fear of God is to hate evil, is, is, is to depart from evil. Look at verse five. And it was so when the days of their feasts were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, "It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts." This did Job continually. And someone who fears God, listen, they're not they're not living in fear of God's anger. They're not they're not living in in timidity. They're not shaking. They trust God. They know God. But they are very careful of sin. Because they realize that God not only will judge sin, But when I allow sin in my heart, when I allow sin in my life, though nobody else knows, I will not see God in my life. And how often do we allow the little sins? We allow the secret sins. We're we're, we're, we're okay on the outside. But the fear of the God says, fear of God is to depart from evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Because as long as there's sin in my life. There can be no fellowship. The fear of the Lord recognizes God's holiness. The fear of the Lord recognizes that in the parent-child relationship of God as our Father, and we as His child, there is the boundary of holiness. And it is the repulsion of sin, because not so much for what it pays, but for what it costs. It costs us our fellowship with God. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. Notice, secondly, very quickly, and then I'll get to the, um, uh, the third point. The fear of the Lord prostrates us in awe and wonder. It is not, not only the right response of His holiness, it is the right response of His power. And I'll just say this, we can never become familiar with God. David prayed, Lord, what, when I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Can I tell you, there is a loss of the reverence for God. God is common. God is comfortable. People say, oh my There is no reverence of God, but we, if we're to fear God, the word fear actually is is in Hebrew is is two letters. It means it's to throw down of of, of a man. And it literally means to fall on your face before. It really has more the idea of reverence, reverence to the point of fear, reverence to the point of dread. Can I just read you the lyrics of a song that just came out? There's a song that's very popular. You've probably heard it. It's called, I Can Only Imagine. Let me read this to you. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what my heart will feel. Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Or will I be able to speak at all? It's a question. Lord, am I going to dance for you when I'm in your presence? Or am I going to fall to my knees? Can I tell you? We don't have time. We're running out of time. You're not going to fall to your knees. You're going to fall to your face. Read Revelation chapter 1. Read Ezekiel chapter 1. Read the book of Daniel. And you'll see those who come into the presence of God, they fall as dead. And then God says, Revelation chapter 1, fear not. God is not seeking for you to live in dread of him. But we can never lose the awesome reverence, the awe, and the wonder of who he is. I wonder if when you pray, you just stop for a minute. I wonder if we're quiet. I wonder if we reverence God. Much more to be said about reverence in God. But notice thirdly, the fear of the Lord places us on the path of confidence, refuge, and blessing. It is the right response of his presence. The joy of knowing you are right with God. Remember, the fear of God it leads us to the place of strong confidence, which is Jesus Christ. And then as the father, the child of the father, we're pursuing a life of radical purity. Purity is the priority. We're right with God. Job said, I will maintain my integrity. Job, the man we read about who feared God, he was passionate about about being clean before God, but he understood that in the fear of the Lord, there is confidence. And he said, I will maintain my integrity. And we, as we fear God, oh, we always awe and we always reverence Him, but there's a confidence that only comes through fearing God. There's a confidence that only comes through purity. Let me can I remind you of a few of the Bible characters. Moses could stand before Pharaoh and boldly say, "Let my people go." Because though he understood he stood though he stood before a great king, he stood in behalf of a much greater king. Daniel's friends could stand before Nebuchadnezzar under fear of the death penalty. But they do you know what they said? We are not careful to answer thee, O Nebuchadnezzar. We don't fear because we fear God, those who are right with God, those who are following God. Live, understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. They serve a living, powerful God. And I believe God wants to fill us. God wants us to be powerful witnesses of his presence. And if we are clean, if we, through the fear of the Lord, have departed from evil... We, there's a confidence. The apostles, the list goes on and on. The apostles could go boldly into the Pharisees. And when they're beaten and said not to speak for Christ, then the apostles could say we ought to obey God rather than men. The Bible says that Jesus spoke as one with authority. Authority. Jesus spoke with a boldness. Paul spoke with boldness. The Bible says of the disciples, they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. And the fear of the Lord gives a boldness. Because the fear of the Lord brings a purity. Do you want to be a bold Christian? Do you want to be like Jesus Christ? I, I hunger to be, to be bold as I ought to be. It comes because we fear God. And it's also the place of refuge. Our text says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse, verse 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. What is refuge? Refuge is a place of protection. And can I tell you that as we fear God, the fear of the Lord releases us from all lesser fears. Can I say that again? The fear of the Lord releases us from all lesser fears. In the fear of the Lord, His children shall have a place of refuge. Are you a fearful person? Well, can I tell you, if you'll get right with God, God will protect you. If God, we, we need not fear. The Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my strength, in whom will I trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The fear of the Lord is a refuge. And then also, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Jesus said, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. As we fear God, we seek purity. And as we follow God, we've come to Jesus Christ. We come to the spring of living water. And he gives us the power, as we heard this morning, for purity. And we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. He gives us the ability to depart from the snares of death. In conclusion, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not to live Far from God. Because he's holy. Because he's God. It's not to live fearful of God's anger. No it is to live fearful of God's holiness. But to understand that as we are holy. We need not fear his judgment. It is to live daily in acknowledgement of his awe. And his wonder. And in reverence. And then it is to discover his power. His confidence, His protection, and the abundant blessing, the fountain of life, He longs to give us and produce in our lives. The fear of the Lord is not a prison cell, but rather a door to safety. The fear of the Lord does not create weakness, but confidence, because in Christ we are sure. The fear of the Lord does not shackle us, but rather releases us from the bondage of sin. The fear of the Lord is not to be the only reason we live for Christ. Do you love him? Yes. Do you trust him? Yes. But also, do you fear him? Yes. Let's close in a word of prayer.